Hey, this is Dan Reeves. I'm the lead pastor of Journey Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Welcome to our podcast. Before we get going, we just want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. We believe that you matter, not only to us, but to Jesus. Our hope is that you find something new and life-giving in Him today. Here's today's message. Amen. Hey, if you would have a seat. Uh, welcome. Uh, you've already heard a few welcomes. Uh, let me be a, another voice to do that to you. My name's Dan. If you're new here, I'm a pastor here, and I get the privilege of uh, spending some time with you every week, and uh, this is uh, it's a valuable time. Uh, we're, uh, we're doing a couple things. Uh, we're starting off a new series. We finished uh, a pretty long series uh, last week outside. We had our outdoor service, uh, and uh, man, did y'all like that? Was that fun? Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, I got a really good yeah out of it, so that's good. Uh, hey, the doors are unlocked. If you want to go hang out after this and take your Otis Spunkmeyer muffin out there, you can go hang out out there. There's picnic tables, places to sit, and all that kind of stuff uh, after the service. We'd love for you to be able to do that. Um, we're starting a new series today um, called Deep Truths. And uh, so over the next seven weeks, this will take us up into December, um, we're going to be focusing on um, uh, some things that unite us. Uh, it can be hard, uh, really, I think in, uh, in modern day, I would say that. This is where we live, uh, to know what the word Christian means. I mean, there's so many different experiences. There's so many different uh, opinions out there. Uh, but to be able to come around and say, okay, well, how, is there anything that's unbound by time? Is there anything that we can attach ourselves to that would give us some clarity in all this confusion? And uh, I think there is. I think there are some things that uh, provide for us common ground um, and help us to find a common path that can still guide us today. Uh, and what I love about that is it takes into account the fact that we all do have questions and uh, questions are valid. Uh, we say this all the time around here. If you have questions, uh, welcome to the club. Uh, I think that's the best way to learn anything. That's what gets you on YouTube. Most of you is you've got a question about how to fix your dishwasher or something and you go in there and you figure it out. Uh, why can't the same be true about spiritual matters or about God? Uh, and so today, we're going to begin that journey together. And today's going to be a little bit of a different thing. I'm going to give a, a few preliminary statements on this because it's a little bit of a different series. Uh, I was talking to a Adam out there in the foyer earlier, and uh, normally what I do is pick a piece of scripture, and we just kind of digest it and go verse by verse, word by word through that. Uh, this series is going to be a little bit different because of the nature of it. We're going to hop around a little bit. So what I'm going to encourage you to do is if you have a copy of scripture yourself, go ahead and get it out. Okay, um, and get ready to flip and turn. And uh, one of the most helpful things, if you're not used to that, uh, is uh, a thing called a table of contents at the beginning. Uh, and it's got some page numbers associated to it. So if you, see, uh, if you see me mention a name, you can go to the front and find the page that it's on and you can turn there and there's nothing wrong with that, okay? Uh, we, we like it when people come in and we're honest about where we are and we're all learning uh, together. And so definitely do that uh, if you've got it on your phone or a computer or a tablet or something like that, you're more than welcome to take that out uh, as well. We're going to hop around a little bit. Uh, I'm also going to give a disclaimer. Um these are pretty weighty and heavy topics uh, to cover in about a 40, 45 minute span. Well, let's be honest, 50 minute span. Uh, and so, uh, so with that being said, uh, I'm not going to cover everything. Uh, probably what's going to happen as I go along this, you're probably going to 
think of something that I'm not talking about. And you're like, why didn't he talk about that? And I was like, well, it's probably in my notes somewhere, uh, but you don't want to sit here all day, okay? So today, uh, as the other weeks will, will kind of be an introduction through today into the other weeks, uh, is uh, we'll kind of hit the surface on some things, talk about some very important things, but the goal is for us to come around the things that have unified the Christian faith for centuries, okay? Uh, these are not uh, here today, gone tomorrow things. These are not uh, the most recent thing on uh, social media. These are the things that provide us some bedrocks and some anchors. And we need that uh, in, in, in our lives. We need some direction in our lives because things are changing at such a rapid pace and changing at more and more of a rapid pace. So we need to hold on to some things. Uh, and so that's what the next seven weeks will be. We're, there's seven key truths that uh, we're going to cover that are some things to, for us to wrap our arms around with. Uh, from Christians for that have gone before us, Christians that will come after us, people in different denominations and different places. And there's things that we're going to differ on, uh, on some particulars. But what we're trying to do is come around the major bedrock things. And if you're going to say, hey, what is a Christian? If you're new to Christianity, uh, the next seven weeks will be a great uh, journey to take with us uh, as we kind of provide an overview of some of the seven core doctrines. And I'll also say this, um, if you've got a friend that is... Uh, uh, is wrestling with some of these things, this would be a great time to invite them too, uh, because uh, we're going to have a charitable conversation about this. This is not me up here yelling and screaming at people, though you know how I like to do that, you know. Um, I really don't, if you're new. Um, this is a way for us to talk about these things and for us to grasp them and spend some time meditating on them together. Uh, and so that's what we're going to do. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to focus on what I'm going to call a reliable word. It's all about scripture, okay? A reliable word. Now let me give you kind of a, a quick introduction uh, to this specifically. Now this right here, this, this Bible is, uh, is one of the first Bibles I can remember reading. Now this is not the first Bible I got. Uh, the first Bible I can remember my parents got me when I was little. My brother and I at Christmas, uh, we got one, uh, a King James, a small King James Bible, a black one, and it had our name on it. My whole name was Kyle Daniel Reeves was right there on it. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but you know, I mean, I was probably, I don't know how old I was, six or something like that. Um, and so I didn't, I didn't really read it a lot, but it was important to me. You know what I mean? And, and, and you know what that's like. Uh, maybe you've got a family heirloom that was passed down to you. Uh, maybe there's a family Bible that's laying on a coffee table or a, uh, maybe it's in a, a bookshelf somewhere that has been passed down. Some of us have that kind of thing. Uh, but some of you, you, you might not have ever owned one of these. You might not have ever owned it. And it, it, it's, it's weird to you why it's so special. Um, uh, but this one's in, unique and not just because it's a pink Bible and you're saying, Dan, do you have a pink Bible? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, but it wasn't always pink. Let me just do a little bit of a thing. It, it started out burgundy. Uh, maroon, maroon sounds really masculine, I guess. But uh, it turned out uh, pink over the years. Uh, it, it's a little bit worn, not because, you know, hey, I'm trying to show off how much I read the Bible. Uh, it's just been carried around. It's been in my dorm room. It's been in our first home. Uh, it's been uh, here with us today. Now we're all experiencing together. But uh, if I open this Bible... Uh, to me, uh, I, there's a lot of sentimental value uh, to it. But what's happened over time is I, I'm, I don't use this every day. Now I use this Bible every day. This is the most recent iteration of uh, a hardbound copy of scripture that I have. Uh, and so I, I carry it with me all the time. But it, you'll notice this is interesting. Uh, for us, 
the scripture and the importance of it is not whether or not it's leather bound or whether or not it's a new version or an older version. It's what it contains. As a matter of fact, I'm going to throw some scripture on a screen. We always do that. And some people would say, well, does it stop being important when you take it out of that leather encasement that it has and we put it on a, on a screen? You know, is that kind of diminishing the importance of it? No, not at all, because the, the ethos of what it is, the, the substance of what it is, is not contained by the leather or the pleather that it's bound in. Uh, it's not about having a hard copy or a soft copy or a leather copy. There's something a lot more significant to that. But when we come to scripture, what we have now is, I mean, I've got it on my phone. Um, uh, I've got it on my computer. As a matter of fact, uh, through the years now at 48, I have studied and I've read books and I'm still reading books. Um, and so what started out then as kind of an endeavor where I was skimming the surface and getting oriented to scripture now has become a lifelong pursuit. Uh, so much so that for me and, and what I'm doing right now is a lot of my week and my mind is wrapped up in, okay, how do I communicate and how do I learn what scripture says? And what I'll say out of the gate is um, through all the questions, through uh, all the times, and maybe this is you, where I've seen the Bible mishandled and misused. People have done some really egregious and horrible things in the name of scripture. And we carry all these things with us. For me, though, after all this time with it and all the bad stuff that's associated with it and all the questions and uh, all the seeming things in there that I can't quite reconcile completely, I have a deeper love for Scripture than I ever have before. Uh, I love studying Scripture more than I ever have in my life. Uh, and I respect it more now, with, even with all that baggage, in a way that I didn't when I first started to read it with this version. And so what we're going to talk about today, I think, is to begin the discussion of no matter what your background is, if you had a Bible growing up or you didn't, if you've got questions or you're pretty much, uh, okay, whatsoever, you know, whatever it is, or if you, when you hear people open the scripture, you cringe because you think it talks about a God that is hateful and vengeful, or they've used it for oppression and abuse to justify their actions. My, my hope is that as we talk a little bit today, we can actually come around and have an appreciation for the essence of what scripture was designed to be. God's revelation to us, God's message to us about himself. And so there's a lot of scripture uh, to talk about scripture. And so we're going to jump around a little bit. And I, as with anything, it's like, how do you start? Where do you start with such a big topic? And so I just picked a place, okay? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to make a few statements as we go that you can write down, but we're going to jump around. And the first place I wanted to go was one of the famous characters in the Bible when he talked about scripture, because there's some things we have to know about this book or this library, this, this uh, collection of writings that we call scripture and answer the question, why in the world are we spending a concerted amount of time every week in this setting to open its contents and to look into it and to see ourselves and to see God? Why do we do that? Well, I think this guy named Peter, one of the early followers of Jesus, uh, the guy that preached at Pentecost, the guy that spent three years of his life following Jesus around, 
I think he says it best in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. We're going to start right here. This is what he says. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, this, uh, the reason I like this is because I think this introduces the tension that most of us uh, arrive at at some point. As we arrive at like, okay, did this thing just fall out of the sky? Like, where did this thing come from, you know? Uh, how did we get this thing? Uh, and then most people kind of deviate one way or another, and they uh, arrive at a point and say, well, is it a divine book or is it a human book? And in order to kind of get a, a visual of this, I think what you get in the scripture is you get a, a paradox, you get kind of this tension uh, where it has both two things wrapped together. And, and one of the best paradoxical visuals that I can think of is this, uh, this painting or this drawing by M.C. Escher. Um, this is uh, called Drawing Hands. And uh, uh, I, when I was uh, in, in junior high and high school, I was really into art. And one of my favorite artists was this guy named M.C. Escher, and he's all about visual paradox and those kind of things. It was interesting because uh, this is one of my favorite drawings that he ever did. There's a few of them that I really like. Um, but then I was listening to a uh, lecture from a guy named Tim Mackey that does the Bible Project. Some of you might uh, listen to the Bible Project, watch some of those videos. And he actually used this to talk about this very tension, and it just resonated with me. It, it made a lot of sense to me. Because what you have in this visual paradox is you, you, you've got two hands that are drawing each other that if you, you can imagine if you take one of them out then you really don't have the other you just have a hand drawing which is pretty normal but scripture is unique in that it's divine and it's human right it's it's divine and it's human and, and here's what I mean by that, that when we look at Scripture, there is, there is a divine part of it that Peter talks about, and then there's this human part that Peter talks about, that there's no prophecy of Scripture. There's nothing that's been said that was derived from the, own pro the prophet's own intent, but God actually spoke to humans. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about what that might have looked like, but God spoke to humans and they wrote some stuff down. Just a, a quick quiz. Does anybody know where the first time in Scripture that Scripture mentions Scripture being written? Does, does that make any sense? Anybody know? Yeah, ideas? Well, we, we did a series through the book of Exodus uh, this past summer, and one of the stories we covered was in Exodus 17. And, and, and this speaks to the dilemma. This is the first time Scripture talks about Scripture. Uh, this is the story where the Amalekites came and they're attacking the Israelites. And Moses says to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites and tomorrow I'll stand on top of the hill with a staff of God in my hands. You remember the, the scene, they're out there fighting in the valley and Moses gets up, on the, uh, gets up on the mountain and he's holding his hands up with the staff and all that kind of stuff. And when he holds his hands up, they're winning. When he drops his hands, they're losing. But then as that whole battle goes on, this is what happens down in verse 14. Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it. So God speaks to Moses in that passage and he says, hey, here's what I've done. 
I want you to write it down. Now, this does not sound like a big, you know, big moment of this whole book uh, falling down from heaven. It, it, it recounts the, the story of Scripture. First of all, the first time it mentions it, it's recounting for us the intervention of God to redeem and restore his people. So a lot of us, this counters an idea because a lot of us think about uh, the Bible as just a giant rule book. Uh, and that's why it's not fun for us to read it because, I mean, you don't want to sit down and read uh, the rule book, you know? That's, uh, that, that's not a really fun project for the rest of your life. And, uh, but what it is, is it's a story that is telling about God's interaction with people. And how do we know that story? We know that story because people, God instructed people to write the story down so that we can understand God and his activity and his plan for his people. How does he restore us? How does he work with us? And so what did God do? God instructed his people to write it down. Now, that's not the only time. Uh, in the same book, in the same book, in Exodus 24, Moses goes up to uh, uh, the mountain. All this kind of stuff is happening. There's fire and all these things. And then he went and he told the people all the Lord's words and laws. And they responded with one voice, everything the Lord has said we will do. And then Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. So basically what Moses is doing, and this kind of gives us an understanding of the purpose of the Bible, okay? The purpose of scripture is to recount for us who God is, his character, his will, and his plan. And then it, it really begins to outline what our relationship to that God is like. Um, and, and that's how we know, that's where we gain uh, understanding. So it being both divine and it being human, how do those things interplay? Because that's where a lot of the questions come in. Well, here's the way I see it, okay? And I think this speaks from historically what you've seen the church rally around is this divine and human aspect. The scriptures are divine in origin and inspiration, okay? Where did they start? Well, just like what Peter said, um, there was no prophet, there was no writer in scripture that just said, hey, I'm gonna write this down. Uh, this sounds cool, I'm gonna say this about God. No, they were, uh, they were inspired by God, it originated with God, but the human part of it comes in the form and the style. Now, if you open up a Bible, or you open up version or whatever it is that you use, you're going to notice that there's a lot of different kinds of literature in here. There's history in here, there's wisdom literature, there's songs that are written down, um, there are parables that are in here, um, even with the history, like with Jesus. I mean, there's four different accounts of Jesus's life. Um, then you get letters that are, are, are personal letters that like Paul writes to other people or Paul or Peter or James, they write to other churches. Uh, and then you get like what's called uh, prophetic writings, which is like the revelation of John at the end of scripture. Um, and so when you look at that, what you realize is that there's a lot of different genres of literature in here, and there's a lot of different writers, and it took over thousands of years of time. So 66 books in the Bible. Um, and when you look at it, there's a lot of style in there. Uh, uh, Paul doesn't sound like James, um, and James doesn't sound like Peter. And the way that Luke writes is different than Matthew. 
And the way that Mark writes is different than Luke. And so there's some uniqueness to scripture, but it all has a divine origin and it was all inspired. So that dynamic, that interplay, how do we get our bearings for understanding that? Where, where, where do we find a path forward? Well, historically, the way the church has reconciled those things is it's, it's come around some, some common truths, okay? Uh, some things that uh, really lock us in step with what Scripture historically uh, shares with us. And the first thing that I'll say is that Scripture tells a unified story with Jesus at the center of the story, okay? Which is really beautiful. This is one of the most beautiful things about Scripture is if you spend enough time in Scripture and you study it, what you'll find is uh, some of the paradoxes and even some of the contradictions uh, that it seems like are there and then you're, you're working through it is where you come back to is you come back to some, there's some commonalities. And one of the commonalities is that it's telling a unified story of God's interaction and Jesus is the beginning, the end, and the center of that story. Now, flip the page to 2 Timothy um, chapter 3 and this is the Apostle Paul writing to a guy. This is a letter, and this is what he shares with this young protege, Timothy, about this phenomenon. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, there's a whole lot of stuff packed in there, but one of the things I want you to see right out of the gate is what Paul talks about with Timothy is he says, hey, listen, you have known the Holy Scriptures. You've known these Scriptures. Now, what is that to us? The Scriptures that he's speaking of is what we would consider and call the Old Testament, or some might call it the First Testament. Uh, it is the Torah and the writings of the prophets, the Psalms, all those things, they would have had access to all those things. Uh, they would have gone to a synagogue. They would have come around those things as uh, Jewish individuals. And they would have learned from these holy scriptures. And they would have submitted uh, to its teachings, okay? And so what is Paul doing with Timothy? He's simply saying, listen, you've done this since you were a kid. Uh, when you were a baby, you had a, a mom and a grandma uh, for, for Timothy that taught you the scriptures. And they've done it consistently. And and you've come to them, and I want you to know that the reason that those messages, those scriptures are important is because not only do they reveal God, but they lead us to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And so for Paul, he as a Jewish individual that grew up just like Timothy, hearing scripture, learning scripture, he says the, the key, if you will, to understanding scripture is the person of Jesus Christ. Now, this was a tension in the early church. Uh, this was a tension, uh, honestly, for the first followers, the people that even encountered Jesus. Uh, because it sounds like, well, if Jesus shows up, then we, even the word Old Testament to us means, okay, well, that's all gone, and so it doesn't matter. Um, but Jesus didn't say that. As a matter of fact, what Paul is telling Timothy is exactly what Jesus taught. You may remember the famous uh, episode of the Sermon on the Mount, if you've studied scripture. It's in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And in Matthew chapter 5, uh, uh, Jesus confronts this tension. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 17. He says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them 
but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. And so people were hearing Jesus teach and talk and they were thinking, well, okay, there's a whole different thing going on. Jesus says, no, it's not a different story. It's one unified story and I'm the key to the story. I'm actually unlocking and accomplishing everything that was written before and everything that's going to be written after is actually going to either emanate from me or lead up to me. And this means a lot of things. This, this means, uh, in effect, that we cannot truly under scripture, uh, understand Scripture apart from the person of Jesus Christ. And, and so we can't subtract the person of Jesus and expect to understand scripture. He is the primary, if you want to use like the proper theological terms, he is the key hermeneutic uh, or, or the interpretive method for us to be able to see through a filter of who he is to understand all of scripture. That means that if you subtract Jesus out of it, uh, you have nothing left. Uh, you've, you've subtracted the, the weight of what scripture is and the understanding from it. And so Jesus confronts this, right? Jesus says, when you look at scripture, uh, I didn't come to wipe it away. I'm actually here to accomplish because it's one unified story. And a matter of fact, this happened before he went to the cross, but after he was resurrected, he returns to this theme. In Luke 24, Luke 24, verse 27, he says, and beginning with Moses, he's talking to some guys that are on the road to Emmaus in this particular story, and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So Jesus, they're sitting there trying to recognize, reconcile all this stuff that's happened, the crucifixion, the resurrection, all these things that are going on, and Jesus kind of, he, he basically instructs them. He, he puts the pieces together. Because he is the key to being able to understand what scripture is. And so this is where we begin to understand the word authority, okay? Uh, many people would look at uh, scripture and they were like, it's really strange for a group of people to come and say, we are going to make our decisions, we are going to live our lives, we are going to spend our money, uh, you know, all these different things. We're going to allot our time based on things that are found in these writings. Uh, why is this authoritative? Well, this begins to unpack this because if Jesus is the key for us to understand the interpretation of Scripture, then he's also what gives it weight of authority. And here's what I mean. One of the most famous uh, uh, statements of Jesus is something we typically call the Great Commission, okay? And it's typically used for something when we tell people to go out and share their faith um, with other people, but there's a whole lot more dynamics uh, to it than just that. Uh, and, and I want to point to maybe just one or two of them. And when you look at Matthew 28, Matthew 28, Watch what Jesus himself says. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So who has authority in this passage? It's not a hard one. It's not a trick question. Jesus. Jesus has authority. And so Jesus, because he is authoritative, because he was resurrected from the grave, and when he says, I want you now to go and teach everybody everything that I've told you. Now, 
another pop quiz. Did Jesus write anything down? Well, he probably did, but do we have it? Anybody know? Somebody's like, I don't know. Maybe we do. I don't know. Uh, we don't. We don't have anything that Jesus has written, which is odd, isn't it? Isn't that kind of odd that we follow Jesus and then somebody just said, if you were casually having dinner with somebody and said, hey, what did Jesus write? You'd be like, ah, let me get back to you on that. I'm not quite sure. The scriptures that we have are things that are written down because Jesus told a group of people, apostles is what we would call them, to write things down. And so because of his authority, now he tells his followers, write down the story of who I am and what I've done. It sounds a lot like God speaking to Moses, doesn't it? Jesus talking to his followers. And so what do we have? We have a human and a divine book. We have the activity of God. It originates with God. And we have a human that's writing it down. And so Paul, again, picks up this theme because this made a lot of sense for Jews because they had scriptures. But the question then is, okay, well, what if you weren't Jewish? Okay, what about that? Well, Paul covers that in Romans chapter 16. I told you we're going to jump around a lot. Romans chapter 16, Paul says this. He says, now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ. So who's the center of the message? Class, Jesus Christ, okay? In keeping with revelation of the mystery hidden from long ages past. So this is, again, Jesus is the key. Now we understand all the things that we, we were told beforehand. Now, because of Jesus, we're able to understand what happened before and why it was all about him. And so here's what Paul says in verse 26. But now has been revealed and made known through the prophet, prophet, uh, prophetic writing excuse me, by the command of the eternal God so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that, that comes from faith, to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ, amen. So Paul understood as an early apostle, he understood that, that the message, the centrality of the message was Jesus Christ. And so where did the authority of the message derive? Did it derive from the fact that Paul was just really eloquent or Peter was just really, a, um, you know, profound in his thinking or James just had a, a knack for communicating some really cool things? No, it happened because Jesus has authority and Jesus instructed the apostles to write down these things so that we would have them and we can understand and teach them. Okay, so that's where it comes from. So just a quick statement that because Jesus has authority and that authority is communicated to us through his scripture, okay? I, I think it's important to say this because we don't worship the Bible, okay? Um, that the Bible, we don't have the Bible upon a pedestal and we worship it. The Bible communicates God's message to us, but the Bible itself is not God. And so uh, where the church or where people have gotten off throughout history and moved from the deep truths of the faith is when they begin to worship the Bible itself rather than the God that it communicates to us about. And so this is the interplay. 
So how does this happen? How does, let's get to kind of the nuts and bolts of it because if it's human and divine, then well, what does that mean for us? And I think we would all agree if you've ever read the Bible or maybe you've got to, been to Hobby Lobby and you got a, one of those plaques that has a scripture verse on it or you were like, uh, you, you graduated and somebody gave you Jer- Jeremiah 29, 11 on, a, uh, on something. I don't know. I always say crocheted on a pillow, but uh, I don't think that happens a lot anymore. <laughs> but uh, you know, you might have seen something like that. It just hits you at the right time. You're like, man, that's really inspiring. Scripture can be really inspiring. But what we're talking about is not that Scripture is just inspiring, okay? Because uh, sunsets can be inspiring. Mountain ranges can be inspiring. Movies can be inspiring. So Scripture can be inspiring, but what we're saying is Scripture is inspired, not just inspiring, Okay, I hope that you read scripture and you get inspired by it, but the goal is not for you just to be inspired and encouraged. We're, we're to hear what God said. And this is what Paul, if you, if you double back to 1 Timothy 3.16, this is what he said, all scripture, no, go back to that, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, there's a little P in there, huh, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Normally, when we used to have two services, we'd pull that out before the next service. But there it is, you know, there it is. Um, all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So all scripture is God breathed. Now, some of your scripture, some of your copies um, or translations may say inspired. Okay, there's a lot of good translations out there. And I'll, I'm going to say this real quick on translations because this is not a sermon about translations. Is that all the translations of Scripture, you know, why is there so many? If you trace them all back, they all have one source, okay? There's one source, and it's the original, it's the original language, the original manuscripts, okay? So um, they're not just taking like the King James Version and tweaking it and keeping it up to date, okay? They go back to the original languages, which is a whole other thing. But I just want you to know that when we look at Scripture and you say, okay, there's a bunch of translations and all that kind of stuff, what you have to understand is that the Scripture itself is what's, what is God breathed. That means that God spoke it, okay? And what becomes synonymous with who God is is what he says. Now, the first thing that Scripture is there to do, again, is to reveal God in his story, his redemption plan to us so that we understand who he is, what he's like, and what he's up to, and how we can enter into that story, which is uh, maybe a different way to hear about the word salvation, okay? He says that you can actually be saved. That's what he would have said in this verse previous to this, right? Is that scripture is there to give us a relationship with God. And now all scripture is God breathed, okay? That means that God said it. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And the goal is that God wants you to be thoroughly equipped eclipsed, (laughs) oh gosh, equipped for everything that God wants you to do. Now, um, let's do a little class interaction real quick because the question that I would ask in that is like, well, okay, well, um, what does that mean then? Because again, we're at the human and divine thing. And this is where it gets tricky because when we read scripture, there, there, there's, a, there's a lot of dynamics going on. And a lot of the dynamics that go on is we all uh, bring something to the text, 
Okay, we all bring our experience, our understanding, our level of intellect at a particular time, um, you know, all those things. We, we bring all that to the text. And, and you may hear this sometimes when people go, when you get in a small group or something like that, and, and somebody says, well, hey, what does scripture mean to you? Now, I'm not saying that's a horrible question, but it's not a really good one. That's like a question about what's inspiring. But the question is not necessarily, what does this text mean to you? So if you're asking that in your group today, maybe let's just not do it at least for today, right? Um, what does this mean to you? Um, it's really not what it means to you. It's what did it mean when it was written? Because who gets to determine meaning? Now, if you're at an art museum and you go to a, a, a work of modern art, you may get there and you're like, hey, what does this mean to you? And you're like, well, I think it means this, this, and this. And this other person over here may say, well, I think it means this, this, and this. And that's perfectly reasonable if you're looking at a, a work of modern art, okay, or a lot of other things. But if it's a form of communication where, let's say, you were writing a letter to me, you were, you were speaking to me. And you were very precise in what you said. And then I said to a friend of mine, I read the letter and I showed it to a friend of mine. And I said, and then he says, well, what does it mean to you? Well, I don't get to determine what I think it means because who gets to determine the meaning? The one that wrote it determines the meaning. And a lot of times we look at scripture and we ask the question, what does it mean? What we're really saying is, well, we get to determine the meaning of the text. And that's not what the scripture says. That's not what, when we look at scripture, that's not what the church the thousands of years has rallied around. If that was the case, then every century it would look a little different and, you know, depending on your background, it'd look a little different. And there are nuances to interpretation. There's a lot of different things that we uh, are charitable about and we differ on um, in that. And we look at things and we're like, okay, well, we, we want to engage in liberty on some of these interpretive things. But when it comes to scripture itself, we have to understand that when we, when we come to Scripture, we need to see what it said and it's original when it was originally written, easy to say. But that's a problem because we weren't there, right? Matter of fact, I'm going to show you this picture real quick. I'll throw it up here. There's the picture. You saw it briefly a minute ago. Uh, this is called, this is a famous painting called The Writings. Uh, this is St. Paul. What's it called? Bronco knows. Writing the epistles, writing the epistles, yeah. So anyway, I got a lot of things on my mind, apparently. Um, anyway, so this is a famous painting. Um, there's a few unique things about it. Uh, anything stand out as odd to you about this painting? Just anybody? He's got a bound Bible there. That's not true, okay? Like there was not a bound Bible that the Apostle Paul had, right? That's good, Olin. Uh, anybody else see anything? Playing cards, he's playing poker. <laughs> okay, so he's got a poker game right after this. Okay, yeah. What else you see? Huh? No paper under his pen. I think he's dipping his pen in some ink, but... It looks like he's just sitting there going like, hey, I'm pounding out all these letters, you know? Yeah, like the way some of y'all are with emails, email day, and you're like, I'm just gonna knock them all out. Uh, so he's writing a letter to the church at Colossae. He's writing a, checker, uh, a letter to the church at Philippi, and he's just sitting there. And I'm just be honest with you, and I don't mean this to be like, 
cynical or anything like that. But when I was, when I was reading this Bible back in the day, this is what I thought. This was kind of the image that I had. And I imagine Paul or another writer just going into a trance. And it was almost like they were just doing this and they woke up and like, okay, well, here's all these letters. I mean, that's legitimately what I thought. And as I've studied, I realized, okay, this is the way a lot of us look at it. And plus, I mean, let's just be honest, this, it, Paul was not white and have red hair, okay? <laughs> that's a big one. And last thing, this is really has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but if you look right there on the table, did anybody see like an image on the table? See a reflection on the table? Yeah, the face is upside down. That, that's actually the face of Jesus on the table and he's got crown of thorns and they believe what happened was this, this was a, a poor artist that painted these um, and uh, because you, you knew he was poor because he used the same uh, uh, canvas multiple times. I think they did, Bronco said they did an x-ray of this and there's like three layers of paintings on this. Um, and so anyway, that point of trivia. Uh, anyway, so Jesus is in there but there's a lot of things that are inconsistent here but this is the problem. Like this was the artist's rendition of his image of what he thought Paul was like and how the Bible came to be. How did you get all these letters? Where did they come from? And you might not be a painter, but you have an image too, and I do too. And our question is, how do we, how do we move past what we bring to the text and how do we get to what it really means? Well, that goes to one of our last, one of our final points, um, one of our few final points, okay, uh, it, and it's this, is that scripture is both timely and timeless, okay? Here's what I mean, timely and timeless. Um, here's what Paul said about, I mean, here's what Peter said about Paul. This is one of my favorite scriptures. He, being Paul, this is Peter talking about him, writes the same way in all of his letters, speaking in them in, of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. Anybody say amen. There's some things that Peter said, when I read Paul, I don't quite get this guy. I, it's a little bit hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own desires and or to their own destruction. So Peter's talking about this. He's saying like, when, when he's relating this message that when Paul is writing letters, sometimes he's really confusing. It's really hard to understand. And the reason I think even Peter was saying that was because Peter wasn't with Paul. Now here's the thing about, just a kind of a point of information that's different from the painting. Um, if you study um, ancient uh, scripture and ancient letter writing just in general, it, a, a kind of an interesting thing to know is that it probably wasn't just Paul sitting in a room by himself in a trance. It wasn't that, just writing and pounding out letters. Most of the time they would have a secretary. There would be multiple drafts there would be people that would be a, a, a kind of accompanying in the writing. You can see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, where it wasn't just Paul writing it, but there was other people with him when he was writing it. So there's a whole lot of historical things. And even when Peter looks at it, he's like, man, there's a lot of work to do in here to understand this. This is deeper 
than me just saying, hey, what does this mean to you? And it's, it's deeper than just a, a plaque, a little plaque that you can get and you can have your go-to verse or your, just your life verse. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But this is a lot weightier than that because this is what the church has rallied around for centuries is that this is a human and divine book that communicates God to us. Now, I just took a stab at my definition of the Bible, okay? So I didn't pull this from anywhere, okay? So um, if I got it wrong, um, it's on me, okay? Uh, this is my little definition of the Bible. The, de- the Bible is a collection, or you might say it's a library, okay? A divinely inspired writings through the hands of human authors that reveal God, his character, his plan, and his will, and therefore hold authority in all matters of faith and practice. Okay, I don't know if that's a good one or not. Um, it sounded right to me because when I look at it, it holds in tension the fact that um, it is human and divine. It's authoritative that God said exactly what he wanted to say. Now, how does that happen with a letter? Well, I think uh, uh, one of my, our old uh, Veronica's professor and one of my first pastors I served under uh, is a guy named Randy Richards. And he talks about this uh, in one of, his, one of his books on Paul and letter, ancient letter writing. And what he says is that what God did in that process was God divinely prepared a situation and God divinely prepared people. And so we have letters that are situational letters that God worked through that situation to provide for us an understanding of who God is. And that's why we can take occasional letters, letters that were written specifically to a group of people at the hand of somebody like Paul, and we can look at it and go, okay, what was God saying through that? But there is work to do to do that. And this is my last statement. Scripture, this demands something. Scripture deserves and demands study, okay? It's, it's not just, God, you know, the Bible says it, I believe it, and that's that. No, we as believers, just like we quote every week in our benediction, Jesus himself said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, What does that mean? Simply this is that it takes a lifetime to dig into scripture. And some of us, that's really daunting and scary, but as as somebody that humbly, I'm still on that journey, you know, um, the fact that it is not just something that fell out of the sky to us, but that there's, there's history behind it, there's situations that are going on, there's personality and all those things. That makes it exciting because there is more for us to learn. There is so much more for us to learn. And if you would call yourself a believer in here, a follower of Jesus, then scripture deserves your study because it is the authoritative word of God. And it demands study because you can't understand it unless you grow in your understanding. There are, you have to learn who wrote it You have to learn who they wrote it to. What was the situation behind what they were saying? What was going on in the scenario? And we have to be the type of people, like those that have gone way before us and those will come after us, that we say, we're not just gonna settle for just kind of skimming the surface, but we're gonna try to go deeper into the mind and heart of God. And that's what led, I think, Paul himself to tell Timothy, this last verse, 
He said this, he says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. So that means we have work to do. And that's why we gather around this and we do this every week. But this is not enough, all right? I'm not special, you're you're not that special. There's been people that have gone before us that have paved the way. And so we study scripture We trust the spirit that breathed it is going to continue to illumine it to us and that he's going to connect the dots uh, for us and we're going to be shaped and transformed by it. Now, hopefully this opened Pandora's box for you because granted, we just skimmed the surface. But my hope is that today this will give us some bearings to go forward. This will tie us to the ancient rich history of what the word Christian has meant, not just what it means today or a particular, you know, uh, nuance of it, but we've got to go back farther so that we can get to the essence of what it is. And that's what I hope we become. And so the hope is that today you would even begin that endeavor. Um, today, as we leave, we're, uh, there's some journey groups that are available to you uh, where you can continue this discussion. If you don't have one, you can go to the Welcome Center right now and you can get connected to one and look at the options and see what may fit you. Um, and what we're going to do today is we move into the next phase of studying scripture together in smaller groups. I'm going to pray over this and uh, ask that God would continue to shape us through it. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you uh, love us enough to speak to us and you give us your word. So I pray, God, that today um, we would live under its authority because it tells of you. It, it, It gives us the rich history of who you are and what you're about and tells us who we are. And so I pray specifically that we as people that um, struggle to find our bearings in a world of so many opinions and so many different experiences, Lord, that you would just give us uh, a humility that we would come to your scripture and we would be shaped by it. We thank you, God, that you've revealed it to us. Um, There's nowhere else for us to go because you alone hold the word of life. And so we give ourselves to the task in Jesus' name. Amen.